0: Welcome to PuckCast with Statsman and AJ, RotoWire's fantasy hockey show. Hello, friends. I'm Paul Bruno coming to you from a Canadian hockey hotbed in Southern Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. And my co host, as always, is AJ Schultz, who's a great follower, AJ scholz 24 based in another hockey mad area in the USA, specifically Sun Perry, Wisconsin. That's pretty close to RotoWire headquarters over there in Madison. As has been our annual preseason custom in recent years, we'll be highlighting the expected makeup of rosters for each team as we approach the regular season's debut in a couple of weeks. Uh, In four separate divisional previews today, we have the second one. We're going to take a look at the central division, and my partner is all dressed up for the occasion, (laughs) albeit with Pittsburgh colors. (laughs) (laughs) AJ, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good. figured I'd... uh get some, get some gear going. We've got, uh, preseason games are cooking. We're, uh, we're getting closer and closer. So I'm, I'm getting more geared up myself. And so hopefully we'll, uh, we'll have some game action soon.
0: Well, I'm, I'm not making a a leaf sweater debut until they win an exhibition game. That's my holdout. So they've lost the first two. I mean, one was in uh, overtime last night, but, uh, there's nothing to be gained from winning hockey games in the preseason. It's just a look at some of the players. That's my, how I'm consoling myself so far. I'll, I'll <laughs> run with that. <laughs> AJ, uh, for the benefit of our listeners, what we're going to do is take a look at each team, the forward line combinations, the defense pairings and the goalies uh, splits uh, that we anticipate for each club as we go through these uh, previews. And uh, as I said, we're going to take a look at the Central Division today. And uh, why don't you kick us off with a look at the Arizona Coyotes forward complement.
1: Yeah, so I think the biggest—I uh, know we, you know, we always start with the first line, right? That makes the most sense. But I'm going to talk about this second line first because it's all new—at uh, least the way we have it projected. Um, so uh, obviously, first line: Keller, Hayden, uh, Keller, Hayden, and Schmaltz. Those aren't going to change. Those guys all put up decent numbers. Hayden, um, uh, Hayden, for his part, almost had 20 goals. But it's the second line I'm most intrigued about. You've got Alex Kerfoot coming over from. Uh, Toronto had a a pretty good, pretty decent year last year. It was down from his first or his second year rather in Colorado, that 51 point season looking like more of an outlier than the norm. Um, But if you can get 30, maybe 40 points out of a guy like Kerfoot who, you know, would be playing up in a top six, uh, Paul, you could speak better to this, but I don't think he really saw a ton of top six uh, action, with, with the Leafs there, they're a little stacked in the top six uh, in Toronto. Logan Cooley is a really exciting young player, drafted third overall in the 2022 NHL Draft. Uh, put up 60 points in 39 games for the University of Minnesota last year, which pains me to say anything good about a player from the University of Minnesota. I prefer to stick with Badgers. Um, but a really, really good season, I've always said, Paul, uh, on this show that I think guys going from college to the pros are more prepared than guys making the jump from juniors to the pros. Obvious exceptions are in there, and we'll talk about one of those guys in a bit here. And then Jason Zucker comes over from Pittsburgh, 27 goals last year in 78 games. Uh, I think he adds a really good fit on this line. So I love this second line, and I've not said good things about Colorado probably for the last eight years we've been doing this show. Um, so I, I think they've got something going. It drops off a little bit from there. Uh, you got Massarelli uh, on, the, on the third Michelli, line. Here with- Michelli. Michelli. I'm sorry. Thank you, Paul. Don't butcher Michelli Italian names. on the third names. line. I won't,
0: I won't stand for you butchering Italian names. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, uh, with Nick Bugstad and Larson Kraus. Uh, Kraus, another 20-goal scorer. Um, I don't think any of these bottom guys are really going to challenge for a spot there. Maybe a guy like Zach Sanford. Uh, Ryan Zingle is uh, here on a tryout, so there's a name that could jump in. Um, but overall, I think this top six is where their strength is. Uh, that's how the fours is break down to me, Paul.
0: You know what? Uh, the the telltale sign for me is having uh, the former Leaf on the second line. I uh, look, Alex, Alex Kerfoot was a guy that was in my doghouse all year last year. The best thing I can say for him is that he's a smart guy having gone to an Ivy league college and he is a defensive minded player. He's got good wheels, but boy, oh boy, I, I would, I would challenge him to a a shooting contest any day of the week because he couldn't put the puck in the ocean if he was standing on the pier, in my opinion. So he's there for defensive specialty work. Cooley is very lucky to have him on one wing for that defensive prowess. But you mentioned Zucker with the offensive chops that you saw in Pittsburgh last season. He tallied 27 goals. I'm sure they'd, they'd love to see him get that many this year. Again, Cooley is a very gifted center. He's going to get a pretty good landing spot here to be one of the few guys that come out of a recent draft and go right into a top six role without much of a, a slide in, in expectations. The top line is very intriguing for me. Clayton Keller, if he was playing in almost any other city, AJ, he'd be really lauded as one of the top young stars in hockey. He was better than a point per game for this this team, and he that's his target again for this season. Barrett Hayton has finally made a bit of a jump last year, and I think he's going to take another big step. This guy was a former t- top player for Team Canada Juniors as well. Schmaltz, a veteran who's been around the league, had a pretty good, uh, almost a career type season: fifty-eight points in sixty-two games. That's almost a point for game two. So pretty good-looking top six if the second line pans out, as you and I both expect. Insurance comes from uh, Michelli on that third line, 49 points in 64 games. He could probably uh, top the 50 mark easily if he plays uh, a full slate of games. Bukestead is a guy who's bounced around a lot, and uh, last year was one of his better offensive seasons as well with 29 points. Lawson Krause rounds it out. He was very highly sought after by other teams because he's a big, rugged power forward boy built like I like them, uh, scoring and and feistiness and some rambunctiousness in his game 50 points is probably a good target for him and so that rounds out a pretty good top nine aj in my opinion on the blue line it's a bit of an issue uh, dropping off in terms of quality but they did make a couple of additions that are worth noting on the top pairing you'll see M- matt dumba joining the club he's got a situation here where he's going to get a lot of ice time to prove that he's still uh, a viable uh, option as a top offensive defenseman Forget about the 14 points he got last year in 79 games. He should double that at least with this situation, partnered with Yanni Moser, who had 31 himself in a full slate of games. The second pairing features one of the new guys that they got, from uh, he split the season in Arizona and Calgary. I'm talking about Troy Stetcher, who uh, had 14 points in 81 games played. He'll be partnered with Yusso Valamaki, who had a very nice year for the Yotes last year with 34 points in 78 games. Third pairing features another guy who has got some offensive ability. I like the look of Sean Jersey Dur- in this circumstance. He had a very nice year with the Kings, 38 points. And in this environment, if they'll take that they'll take a 40 point season from him as well. The, the final newcomer to this mix, vying uh, for third-pairing minutes, is Travis Sturman, who's had stops in Toronto and Vancouver. Uh, limited time with the Canucks last year, but hoping to build on the experience that he's had in the NHL to date. So not devoid of options for scoring uh, possibilities on the blue line, in my opinion, but they're, they're lacking on the defensive side of the puck, and that's going to hurt this club this year.
1: For me, I think what matters as far as Dumba's offensive production is whether or not he gets those power play opportunities. Last season, they were non-existent, and I think he averaged like seven seconds of power play ice time per game, something really low, which is a far drop-off. For the rest of his time in Minnesota, he was always on the number one or the number two unit. So if he can get some power play opportunities in Arizona, I agree. He should be back over that 20-point threshold, could be even a little bit higher um, but without it, I think that's what we saw last season. And that's his, the lowest point production really of his career was last year. And again, directly tied to those power play opportunities in the nets. Uh, we've got Carl uh, Vejmelka and Connor Ingram are going to be our two options here. I would imagine Vimelka will see the the bulk of the workload, um, but it'll be a little bit uh, more evenly split, I think, in my opinion. So Maybe, I would say, 50 games, uh, which is what he hit last year, 52 the year before. That's probably right about where he'll be, um, you know. So, sort of a workhorse in terms of fantasy. I mean, we're getting less and less guys that are playing 60, 65 games. Uh, you're not going to see that out of him, I don't think, in in any real uh, possibility here. The problem is the goals against average, 3.43 which is a career best for Vimelka um, and says a little bit of something. Now I get he's only got two years in the league, but save percentage has never been over nine uh, a concern as well. So if he's struggling for long periods of time, maybe they give Ingram a little bit of a lot longer look. They do have uh, Ivan Proso, Prosvatov, uh sitting around there as well. He has seen minimal action. Uh, His numbers aren't phenomenal, but it's at least a third name, a younger guy, 24 years of age, they could
0: uh, test out as well.
1: That's the goalie situation as I see it. Paul, take it
0: away. Well, Vemelka is a guy that I got some time for. He was in the middle of a rubber factory here facing a lot of shots all season long. So that 900 save percentage is well earned, in my opinion. And and the goals against is probably as low as they could have expected given the volume of shots. That'll be a real target for this team to kind of minimize the damage. But I already panned the defense in terms of the defensive abilities here. So it's going to have to be a team-wide focus to improve on those numbers. But uh, he was pretty heroic uh, in some efforts that I saw last year. And we'll get a heavy work load again. In Chicago AJ we're seeing a real changing of the guards. Long time leaders of this team are both missing in Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tave so it's got a real different look and the buzz is all about the guy who figures to be the top center here it's Connor Bedard. He was an absolute phenom in junior hockey and led Team Canada to a convincing win at the World mm-hmm. Hockey Championships with some of the best offensive plays that i've ever seen from a junior in my life that's how good this guy is he's uh, he's making people think about the likes of the very best players we've ever seen come out of junior and that includes a certain guy in edmonton so the the comparisons are already out there i'm not going to say he's going to score 100 points partner but there are people who think that he can be a point per game guy my sights are set a little bit lower i'm going to say he's a 70 point guy in chicago and He's got some uh, buffers on the wings to help him out. A couple of uh, experienced guys who will play the wing. Uh, One, a newcomer from Boston, is Taylor Hall, who knows all about being a top draft pick in this league. So that's going to be a real blessing for Connor Bedard to play alongside him on the top line. Tyler Johnson's a few years removed from his best offensive seasons (laughs) But he's been a pretty good player in this league, too, for a long time. 32 points in 56 games last year is, is probably something he'll be able to beat if he plays with these two on the top line. It drops off precipitously after this, though. The second unit is a trio of guys who played in Chicago last year and uh, didn't always play top six roles. I'm talking about left wing. Philip Kureshev, 20 25 points in 70 games. Lucas Reichel, 15 points in 23 games. Hopefully he can... Match that rate over an 80 game season. That's going to be like a 60 point output. Andreas Athanasiu is a guy that has a lot of offensive skill and should be on the power play with Bedard and a couple of and Hall and company. So his numbers should be at least as good as last year, where he totaled 20 goals and 20 assists. Then on the third line again, we see Taylor Radish coming over. And having a nice year in Chicago last year, 78 points, 78 games played, 37 points in total. He should be able to do at least that much. And that should pick up the options on the th- other options on the third line. Jason Dickinson with 30 points and Ryan Donato, a newcomer from, from over in Seattle. He had a very nice year last year, 27 points in 71 games played in a third line role. So not too bad a situation in the third line and the first line. It's that second line that I'm kind of worried about, AJ. I'm a, I'm a little more bullish on that line. You've
1: got a player like Athanasiu, a, a veteran, uh, goal, you know, a goal-scoring guy uh, who can add some offense, some leadership in that group, paired with some up-and-comers. Uh, in, in Khrushchev, he's only 23 years old. Reichel is only 21. So plenty of room for development for them to take those next steps forward. Um, so I actually probably like this line a, probably a little bit more than you do. I do trend uh, to be favorable to, to young players, uh, especially Reichel. I think has the opportunity to be a big contributor for them. You know, mid, mid six, uh, I would say for him, second line center, third line center, something like that. Um, so I, I think they've got some potential there and it's just a matter of whether or not they can take that step on the blue line. Uh, it's pretty similar group to what we've seen uh, in the past. We've got Seth Jones with which, uh, you know, is going to be kind of the primary driver of their offense here. Uh, we've got them paired up with Philip Roos. I would say that's tentative at best. I think there's some other uh, potential guys that could challenge for spots. Jared Tenorti uh, and Connor Murphy, that's a shutdown pairing. They're not going to add much in the way of offense. And then Wyatt Kaiser, uh, University of Minnesota, Duluth product, uh, product uh, just nine games last year, so – can he take the step forward? Can he make the next step with Nikita Zaitsev? I think Kaiser maybe um, could offer some some intriguing options there. Uh, last year with Duluth, 23 points in 35 games. So I'm not going to suggest, you know, he's going to be their best offensive driver, but he might be number two behind Seth Jones. So uh, uh, definitely a player to keep an eye on there in the blue line.
0: Yeah, I'll throw in Isaac Phillips as another option. He played in Rockford last year with 23 points in 51 games as a guy who could challenge because he has some offensive upside with the Hawks uh, potentially looking that way for help. Uh, but Ruse is in a pretty pretty pre- prime opportunity to play alongside Jones. He's a big guy who has some offensive skill. He only had three points in 17 games in the NHL, capable of much more than that. And if he gets a regular shift with Jones, could be a guy that threatens at least a 30-point mark in my estimation. In the goaltending area, this is a problem spot for the Hawks when they lean on a guy like Peter Morazek to carry the bulk of the load. Consider last year the record was 10-22-3, but the shot, the goals against that and the save percentage tell a bigger story. 366, the goals against 894, the save percentage, both among the worst in the NHL last season. That's as much to do with him as it is with the quality of play the Hawks played in front of him he's not that good folks is what I'm telling you Uh, Arvid Soderblom is a guy that probably they will have a little more faith in he had 15 appearances last year the goals against average was lower than Morazic at 344 345 the save percentage was right there at 894 so they're hoping that maybe he gets a few more reps and some confidence and maybe he can overtake Morazic as the number one guy here it's it's they're growing something here in Chicago. It's a rebuild. Don't expect a lot from this club, but keep an eye on some of the younger guys. Like, well, Bedard's going to be something to see for sure, but, <laughs> but Soderstrom and Roos, they're, they're players that I'll, I'll have my eye on this season in Chicago.
1: Well, and what a great first game for uh, Chicago. They go up against the Penguins. So we see, you know, the old guard in Crosby versus the, the new guy uh, in, uh, in Bedard. So it should be a really fun opening night match there. Over in Colorado might be one of the biggest overhauls uh, in this division in terms of the the forward group here. Uh, Obviously, the biggest news of the offseason, Gabriel Landeskog will not play at all this season, um, is undergoing a cartilage transplant. I don't even know what that means uh, or I mean, I know what it means, but like how that even works uh, that I have to imagine is going to be a brutal recovery. Uh, And obviously that's why he won't be playing this season. So hopefully we'll see him back at some point in the future with all that LTIR money. They've gone out, they've added Jonathan Druin from Montreal uh, to really slide into that Landeskog spot on the first line with McKinnon and Rantanen, Rantanen 55 goals, McKinnon 42. I would expect Druin's numbers to skyrocket if only for playing with those two guys there Uh, Just 29 points last year, but was playing in Montreal. That wasn't an offensive hub, to say the least, last (laughs) season. Uh, So he should see a big uptick if he can stay in the lineup. Second line, you've got new addition Ryan Johansson centering that group. This is another player, uh, 28 points in 55 games for Nashville, uh, playing alongside Arturi Lekanen and Val Nichushkin on on the other side. Both those guys had over 40 points, uh, over 45 points, really. Uh, And so Johansson, another candidate to see a big uptick, I think, in minutes. And then a completely overhauled third line as well. They've got Miles Wood coming over from New Jersey. He'll be familiar with former Devils teammate Thomas Tatar, who'll be on the other side. They brought in Ross Colton from uh, Tampa Bay to center that group. Uh, I I like this combination here. You've got Colton does have offensive upside. uh, Miles Wood as well. Uh, obviously Tatar had 20 goals last season so it's a good group you've got a little bit of existing chemistry in terms of wood and tatar knowing each other ross Colton should fit in well there obviously has uh you know championship pedigree from having been uh you know with Tampa Bay for for a couple of years there so it's a really strong group uh, you could argue maybe Logan O'Connor or Frederick Olafson could challenge for a spot but uh, again, Colorado, for losing a guy like Landeskog, their top nine is, is really phenomenal.
0: Yeah, I like all the additions that you highlighted, AJ. Drew Ant is maybe the question mark for me because he's been given ample opportunity to excel in a couple of previous stops and several years in his career. Just hasn't found the turnkey, but he's excited. And Nathan McKinnick is excited to have him on his wing. And that might be the best thing he's got going for him when one of the league's best players is is v- basically vouching for him and, and hoping that... Uh, He can play with with uh, Drew and get the best out of him. If they do, that's found money for me. But the other additions are more solid options. Johansson been a longtime center in this league had a couple of good offensive years and a bit of a rebirth in the last year and a half in Nashville. Some injury troubles had to be overcome last year, though limiting him on only 55 games. Nichushkin, we, we've we talked about him recently and in the last couple of years on the show quite a bit, where we th- I thought he was a big power winger who would really be dominant and finally has achieved that status uh, with 47 points in 53 games played. You can see he's about ready to threaten that point per game mark. If he can stretch it out into a full season, that's all of a sudden a 70 70- 80 point pace and any team will take that with his size and skill Uh, so Lekkonen is a proven commodity on the left side as well you highlighted him but the third line they've added some grit in Wood and Colton both guys have the offensive chops to get up to the 20 goal mark I think and Tatar is already there so it's a pretty good luxury when you can ice a third line that can score about 60 goals in a season so uh, I like what they've done in Colorado certainly this would be an even better looking lineup with Landeskog in it but but he's in the middle of a long rehab that you suggested, and we hope it all goes well for him. We turn our attention to the blue line, AJ, and instead of all kinds of changes up front, there are none to report on the back end of any consequence. Devin Taves and Kale McCarr are the most productive offensive pairing in the NHL, combining for over 100 points last year, and that was in a bit of an off season for McCarr, considering he missed 22 games. So I expect them to combine for... Well over a hundred points this year between them, and McCarr should again threaten for the the Norris Trophy as the league's best defenseman. Samuel Garrard and Bowen Byram give him a pretty good uh, look on the second pairing. Gerard quietly got 37 points last year in 76 games. Bob Byram is a guy they expect big things from. He was limited to 42 games played last year, but still scored 10 goals and 14 assists. That's a 50-point pace. So quietly, he might be a very good third option offensively in this environment. We turn to a defensive focus on the third pairing with veterans Jack Johnson and Josh Manson, combining for only uh, 18 points last year. They're not going to get much more than that, but they're going to be certainly a shutdown pairing here. And in reserve, they got a guy like a big guy, Curtis McDermott. Should anybody get ill or injured, he'll be stepping in to help them out there.
1: Well, with the netminders, here's one of our workhorses. Alexander Georgiev, 62 games played last year, racked up 40 wins, uh, five shutouts, 2.53 goals against average, which was a career best I would expect we'll see more of the same out of him, 60 to 65 games played. He'll push for that 40-win mark, especially you know with the uh, help that he has up front. Uh, I expect this offense to be rolling. Maybe if Pablo Francuz comes back from that injury, you know he could factor in in the back half a little bit. But I think this is Georgiev's team, and he'll play just a ton of games for them. So a player to really target when
0: you're looking at goaltenders for your fantasy league like I did last year, and uh, yeah, I really benefited from that. He had a breakout campaign with the 40 wins and five shutouts. The goals against 253, save percentage 916. He'll be backed by Justice Annen, who's going to get about 20 to 25 starts this season as a backup. Until Franz is healthy, he'll be the guy that's number two. So uh, bear that in mind. Should Georgiev get ha- hurt, Justice Annen is likely the guy that gets l- thrown into the breach over here. Then we look at the Dallas Stars. This is a team that I think is going to threaten for the top of the division, AJ. Uh, they're going to be right there with Colorado, in my opinion, tipping our, my hand in terms of at least the makeup of the final standings, which we'll get to at the end of this episode. Let's go into a look at the forward ranks here, my friend. Jason Robertson, Rupe Hintz, and Joe Pavelski are back and looking like they're going to be reunited as one of the top forward lines in the NHL. I'm going to put it to you before I get to anybody else, can they squeeze another year out of Pavelski? He had 77 points in 82 games. Isn't he 38 years old now?
1: He is, but I definitely think uh, that he can give them one more year. I mean, you look at those numbers, we didn't see a drastic dip. Uh, I haven't seen anything to indicate, you know, it's it's going to come eventually. And, and who knows, maybe this is, this is the year it happens. But thus far, we have not seen any decline Uh, In his game, uh, you know, 20, 25 goals a season over each of the last three years, just a ton of points, sees a lot of minutes with the power play. So I I really don't expect to see that. And they they even dropped his minutes last year. It was his lowest minutes at 1743 in the last couple of years. So I, I don't see a decline yet for Joe Pavelski.
0: Well, I'm going to see if you feel the same way in a couple of weeks when we we preview the Maple Leafs and a certain (laughs) captain over there who's probably a very similar profile. But we'll save that for a couple of weeks from now. But I'm bookmarking this one, AJ. To continue with a look at this lineup, Jamie Ben had a rebirth last season uh, to – show his offensive skills haven't eroded 78 points in 82 games played more like what we expected from earlier in his career so that was a, a real good comeback season for him and across the ice he'll be partnering with the opposite wing Evgeny Dodonov who split his time with Montreal and Dallas last season had 33 points in 73 games hopefully a full year in Dallas gets him more than those totals Wyatt Johnson looks like he's given uh, a Primo opportunity to center that second pairing, second group, uh, 82 games played full slate and he acqu- acquired 41 points. He'll hope to build on that. If he gets to play alongside the rejuvenated Jamie Benn, who can repeat that season, those numbers will go up. The third line features Tyler Sagan at center, 50 points in 76 games, shows you he has declined a little bit from the the high uh, scoring totals that we have used to seeing him. But but he can be thrust into the top 6 if one of the other two guys falters and that uh, alone should should possibly see a spike in his totals i think he's got a a 60-point season in him still. So I'm going to see an uptick from the 50 that he got last year. Mason Marchmont, a rugged winger who has some good hands. He had 31 points in 68 games played. I think he should threaten the 40-point plateau here on an improved Dallas club. And the main reason for those two guys' numbers going up is because Matt Duchesne is new on the scene, coming over from Nashville, 56 points for him. He has been a center in the past as well. So you might see him and Sagan flip-flop a little bit In terms of the responsibilities that they play, they'll play together, and uh, he too should be uh, threatening the sixty-point mark with this trio. So that's a pretty nice-looking top nine, and in reserve they've got the likes of Craig Smith and Sam Steele. Should anybody suffer injury, they won't miss too much with the ability to put those guys in the top nine over here.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest question mark for me, Paul, you highlighted it is is What what sort of production are they getting out of him? And it's not, if it's not there, they could move Sagan up to the wing. They could move Duchesne into that spot, Craig Smith, Sam Steele, any one of those guys, even just for a dip in, in production out of Dadanoff not even talking about potentially injury replacements. So it's a really, really deep forward group. In terms of the back end, it starts and stops, of course, with Miro Heiskanen, 73 points in 79 games last year, just dishing the puck all over the place, uh, and that should continue. There's not a ton after him. Uh, You could argue Thomas Harley could be in the mix. He only played six games at the NHL level, but he had 34 points in 66 AHL games. So he could be an option to add some scoring. Uh, Obviously, Ryan Suter in the past has been uh, a bit more of an offensive contributor. We saw those numbers dip to just 25 points last year. Not a huge drop-off in power play opportunities as well. So um, maybe getting a, a step slow there or just having to play more defensively, being paired up with Heiskanen. So he, uh, him and Harley are really the only two other, you know, kind of prime options in, in my estimation in terms of offensive production behind Heisken in here.
0: I agree with you. Uh, Nils Sundquist is a third-pairing guy with 16 points and 60 games played. But I think he's going to line up behind Heiskanen Heiskanen, Harley, and possibly Esa Lindell in terms of the scoring stats on the blue line, maybe in Sutter. So they have some guys who are ahead of him, but the top guy that's going to be highly sought after in fantasy drafts should be Miro Heiskanen, quarterback in the power play here, should be having another effective season and threatening that 70-point mark again. The beneficiary of all this talent in front of him is a guy who's a pretty good goalie in his own right, another, another one of those workhorses that we like to highlight, because they should be snapped up earlier in, in your season-long drafts, and I'm talking about Jake Ottinger here, 62 games played, 37 wins, 11 losses, and 11 overtime decisions that didn't go his way, five shutouts, and two a 237 goals against average, and a save percentage that was over 90% as well, and he'll be backed up by Scott Wedgwood, one of the better backups in this league. Who, uh, held the fort to the tune of a 272 goals against a 915 safe percentage in 21 appearances so it didn't drop off too much to the second stringer but that first guy is is one of the NHL's best AJ
1: yeah absolutely agree onjur you know 65 games uh, not off the definitely not off the table though with Wedgwood uh, performing well there'll be a little less uh, Reliant, perhaps, on Ottinger, but I wouldn't expect it to drop below sixty. Uh, at at absolute most, fifty-five games uh, would be the absolute worst, or uh, lowest, rather. I could see Ottinger playing, but he'll be a workhorse for sure.
0: All right, we're halfway through AJ, and we'll take a break now and give our listeners a chance to uh, take a breath and and absorb what we've talked about. But before we do. Can we uh, get you, well, we'll save the copy for underdog till when we come back. You're listening to podcast with stats.
2: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
0: And then AJ, we'll be back right after these messages. All right, we're back at Pupcast with Statsman and AJ. And as promised, I want my partner to go through and give you an update on the underdog orga- fantasy organization that supports this program.
1: Yeah, underdog fantasy is the number one platform for best ball leagues, including fantasy hockey. Underdog's featured best ball tournament for the upcoming NHL season has a $125,000 in total prizes, if you haven't tried Underdog yet, new Underdog users receive a first time deposit bonus up to $100 and, perhaps most importantly, a free six month subscription to RotoWire with promo code RWNFL. That's promo code RWNFL. Visit UnderdogFantasy.com or download the app today and use promo code RWNFL to claim your free RotoWire subscription. And that's not just a hockey subscription. That'll get you access to the full site and the
0: deposit bonus there. It's really a great offer for new underdog users. All right, and the fifth team we're going to look at today is the Minnesota Club, Minnesota Wild. Kirill Kaprasov, one of the superstars in the NHL, limited to only 67 games played, still notched 40 goals. So you can see this guy's capable of 50 if he plays the full slate, and that's my target for him on this club this season. Ryan Hartman is an under. Appreciated center here, in my opinion, 37 points in 59 games played. I think he can threaten the 60 point mark if he plays a full slate himself, because he's also supported by Matt Zuccarello. I keep saying one of the better playmakers from the wing position. He produced 45 assists among his 67 points in 78 games played. So really good quality line to lead this attack, and it doesn't. It drops off a little bit, but not as much as some other teams. When you consider the second trio, also guys that. Played much of the year in Minnesota. Only one exception. Marcus Johansson split the season with Washington and the Wild last season. Tallying 46 points in 80 games played. He's a power play specialist of note, too. So keep an eye on him on the special teams. Joel Eriksson, a good scoring center uh, at the second slot. A luxury that a lot of teams don't have in the NHL. 61 points in 78 games last year. Should threaten the 60-point mark as well. Matthew Boldy was a, was the guy who broke out here last year, combining 31 goals and 32 assists in 81 games played for an outstanding season that not too many people saw coming, and they'd love to see him duplicate those numbers. It drops off precipitously uh, from that standpoint. The only other guy who is a guy in, that reached double digits in scoring here was Frederick Gaudreau, 19 goals, 19 assists, and then it's pluggers like Marcus Foligno, Connor Dewar, Patrick Maroon is over here from Tampa to fill out the rest of the roster and might keep, keep an eye on Brandon Duhain, who had nine goals in 51 games played. AJ, they're also expecting some some return from Marco Rossi, who was highly regarded a few years ago, but really hasn't made the grade yet in the NHL.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Boldy, uh, probably the the biggest uh, biggest surprise last year taking that step. Uh, and, and well, maybe Freddie Gaudreau, honestly. 19 goals, is a lot for out of him, um, but he's had some really two back to back solid years in Minnesota. Very decent offensive production, so a player worth considering. You know, late late round draft uh, in your in your redraft leagues. In terms of the of the blue line, uh, we've got Jacob Middleton, shutdown player with Jared Spurgeon, uh, going to be your more offensively minded guy there. But I'm going to suggest that Brock Faber will lead this team in defensive wow. points. You heard it here, per- okay. first of all, another University of Minnesota product, 27 points in 38 games last year. It was originally actually drafted by the Kings back in 2020. Um, look, the, the good news about me having to talk about all these University of Minnesota players is that they're not with the Gophers anymore. So mm-hmm. uh, hopefully uh, the Badgers can be better. Sorry. <laughs> quick aside there. Um, anyway, I think Faber has the chance to potentially lead this team. Spurgeon had uh, 34 points last year in 79 games, so it's not a huge mountain to climb there. He's paired up with Jodas Brodine, a nice shutdown pairing for him. Kalen Addison, another player who could maybe chip in offensively here as well. Um, but yeah, that's, that's probably my first bold call of the year. Brock Faber leads the Minnesota Wild in defensive points at the end of the year.
0: Well, you kind of glossed over Kalen Addison. He came out as a, something of a revelation in the second half of the season, AJ. He's my vote for the guy who might lead this team offensively from the back end. Considering 29 points in 62 games played, that translates to a 40-plus 40, 40 point pace, And I'll set that as the bar that Faber has to achieve to, to be the number one guy here. Uh, F-
1: Addison couldn't cut it with the Penguins. He's not going to be that good.
0: Okay. <laughs> He'll be solid. I, I he, he will be very good. But but that's three good options from the back end that not too many teams can, can say they have. So uh, a real bonus for Minnesota, but we always talk about their defensive depth that seems year in, year out. It's another year where we'll be able to say it again, I'm sure. And again, a beneficiary of that situation is maybe both goalies here AJ and I wonder how you feel about the goalie split but it looks like Philip Gustafsson goes into camp as the number one guy appearing in 30 uh, 39 games last year which is less than half Marc-Andre Fleury with 46 appearances but he's getting a little long in the tooth and I think you would even concede concede that I mean I know you're wearing uh, maybe still wearing some uh, pajama bottoms with uh, Flurry's face on them as we speak. I'm not going to ask you to stand up, but uh, look at the numbers here. They're pretty consistent. Gustafson, two ten goals against, nine thirty one save percentage. Flurry, two eighty five goals against, and a ninety point eight save percentage. The goaltending's in good hands here. One more time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of redraft, uh, you know, the only concern is that uh, neither guy really tracks to be upwards of, of fifty games played. It's it's probably going to be a relatively even split, I would imagine. Maybe you get one, you know, hot hand, uh, you know, leading the way there. But, uh, yeah, I would expect right around 39, 46, you know, somewhere in that range, 40 games apiece for, for these two guys heading into next year, which unfortunately decreases their value in terms of uh, fantasy contests, unless you can get both, which is uh, certainly doable. And, and I think with these two, would be a viable option to try and get both and just make sure you're adjusting your lineups appropriately uh, to to make sure you do it. We'll head over to the Nashville Predators who have had some changeover. We've mentioned a number of former Predators already uh, on the show today, and a lot of that starts with this first line here. Philip Forsberg is, of course, back uh limited to just 50 games last season, but that didn't stop him from putting out 19 goals and 23 assists. Uh, I think he'll easily get back over the 20 goal mark with a, with a 80 game campaign could even push for more. Here's the question mark. Can he play 80 games? Not even saying 82, just 80. He has not gotten over 70 games in a season since 2016, 17. It has been a long time. There have been a number of shortened uh, seasons for him. So even 70 would be a high water mark for him at this point. So that is something to be worried about um, and and concerned about. We've got him paired up with Ryan O'Reilly coming over from St. Louis slash Toronto last season. Another player limited by injuries. Uh, Just 53 total games played between those two organizations. So you hope he can get healthy. Gustav Nyquist, uh, another player spent – multiple uh, places last year. Another player who didn't play a ton of games, uh, just 51 for him uh, between Columbus and Minnesota. So there's some guys we need to see playing games here on this first line. And then the concern is what do they have after that? Uh, it's, It's not a lot, but it's also a group of untested players here. You look at Kiefer Sherwood, 32 games played, Thomas Nowak, 51, Luke uh, Evangelista, 24, Parcinanin, 43, Tomasino, 31. I mean, these are guys who are untested the last couple of years. Cody Glass, really the only other veteran uh, with uh, a ton of games under his belt in this this top nine here. So uh, they're going to need to make some strides. They're going to need to get some guys that stay healthy. So there's a lot of questions for me looking at this Nashville forward group.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. I love the point you made on Forsberg. People are going to say, well, he's one of the top snipers in hockey, but that injury concern should be a big red flag. As you prepare for your drafts, let other people draft this guy and prove to you that he is still one of the top scorers when he's healthy and and don't be the one that gambles. This guy's all of a sudden going to get an 82-game season under his belt. The only positive I see offensively from this group is that they have some insulation on the fourth – what looks like a fourth line in Yakov Trenin and Colton Sissons. They've got a couple of guys who got 12 goals each last year playing almost a full slate of games. And Dennis Gurianov has some quality in his offensive game too, splitting time with Dallas and Montreal last year combined for 17 points in 66 games. He's a much better player than that. So some help for the top nine may certainly come from the bottom three. And, and when you're considering the depth of this roster, that might be the best sign of all that they have options to move around. But, they. This is a team that's really lacking the punch from the top nine that you'd like to see. On the blue line, they have one of the signature offensive players in the league on the back end here, in Roman Yossi, 59 points in 67 games played. A full slate of games, still not possible for him last season, but that's a 70-point pace when you stretch it all out, and he's a guy who's been a workhorse here for years, and I'm betting on him to stay healthy and threaten that mark this season. He'll be partnered with Luke Shen, who played in vancouver and toronto last year to be the defensive conscience of that pairing luke played 70 games and tallied 22 points which is about his ceiling when you look at it offensively on the second pairing they've got a couple of veteran guys here that should be a very interesting uh, set and ryan mcdonough one of the top defensive players in the league still 20 points and 71 games for a guy who used to be a 40 to 50 point guy that's not his game anymore but he'll leave it the offense, to his partner, Tyson Berry, who comes over after splitting time with Edmonton and Nashville last season, he played in 85 games, which is probably the answer to a trivia question. Who's played the most games in an NHL season over the last few years? And that, the answer would be Tyson Berry uh, because he came over at such a time uh, that one team was ahead of the other in total games played. It's 55 points his total last year offensively. He's going to be a guy that, uh, that will see those offensive numbers tumble a little bit because he won't get... The first power play minutes, Josi's got them locked up. So I see Perry, uh, uh, Barry, uh, maybe going for from 55 points to about 40 this season. Still no slouch though offensively in terms of the scoring possibilities. And it, there's no other threat here. Dante Fabro. We've been waiting on him for a couple of years. AJ, I've been banging that drum. 11 points in 79 games played last year tells me maybe the offensive side of the puck is not what he's all about. But uh, he he'll be a guy that helps this come club with a third pairing role alongside Jeremy Lozon, who's been a defensive specialist for years, bouncing around from Boston and now winding up here in Nashville.
1: Not much more to say about the defensive group, so I'll dive into the miners here. UC Saros will be your workhorse guy here for them. Uh, played 64 games last season, 33 wins along the way. In terms of games played, he led the league tied with uh, Connor Helubuck. Uh, So uh, I would expect more of the same upwards of 60. He will be a factor there. Numbers pretty decent 2.69 goals against average uh, uh, 9.919 was the save percentage. Again, I would expect more of the same. He'll see a heavy workload. If the team around him can improve a little bit, maybe he challenges for that 40 win mark for the first time. Uh, He came close uh, a year ago. Uh, In 21-22, he got to 38. little drop last year, just to 33. But uh, I expect to see a lot of UC Saros this season.
0: Yeah, backing him up is Kevin Lankinen, who had cut his teeth with Chicago a couple of years ago. His numbers were similar to Saros in a 19-game sample. The save percentage was almost identical. The goals against similarly as well. So you can see they've got a pretty good defensive structure that they're going to be leaning on heavily here. And that's going to have to be the strength of this team to keep them competitive this season. Our second-last club is the St. Louis Blues. Brent, a pretty good returning cast, and they've augmented it with a key piece at center on the second line. We'll get to that shortly. Brandon Saad, Robert Thomas, and Jordan Cairo are the frontliners here. Thomas and Saad playing 73 and 71 games respectively, threatening the 20-goal mark. And I, I see Thomas... At 65 points last year. I think he's capable of at least that much this year. And Saad should see an uptick from 37 points. Cairo is really their signature offensive piece. 73 points in 79 games played, leading the club with 37 goals. Should threaten the 40-goal mark here with that same primetime opportunity. The second line is where it gets a little more interesting for us uh, as observers. Pavel Buknevich had a pretty nice campaign here with 67 points in 63 games played. Kevin Hayes is a new piece from Philadelphia. He had a troubled season a couple of years ago, but since he passed that, played 81 games last year and tallied 54 points. So I'm looking for him to be settled in St. Louis and have even better offensive numbers. I think he can be a guy that threatens a 60 point plateau here. The, the wild card among the top six is Kasperi Kapanen. You and I both got a close look at this guy when he played in each of our respective favorite clubs, splitting time with Pittsburgh and St. Louis, 66 points, 66 games played rather, 34 points in total. He should be better than that. He's a better skill set than, than a 15 goal shooter Th- should threaten the 20 goal campaign, in my opinion. Uh, The third line is bolstered by the newly-minted captain of this club, Braden Shen, gets to see on his sweater 65 points in 82 games played. That's a luxury when you got a a third-line center who gets that many points. He'll be hard-pressed to do it, though, if he's playing third-line minutes here. So don't bank on that again, particularly when you look at the fact that the quality of wingers is is not what it is on the first two lines. Jake Neighbors, 10 points, 43 games. Sammy Blay, 25 points in 71 games played. Jakob Vrana, 16 points in 25 games played. Splitting time with Detroit and St. Louis last year. He's a guy that could be a bit of a wild card to see an uptick in his scoring totals and maybe if Captain falters, Rana takes over on the second line. AG, that's the way I see this group. What about you?
1: I am not as optimistic about Kevin Hayes as, as you are, not even close. Um, you know, looking at a few things, 81 games played last year. That is a career high. The two, uh, three seasons actually ahead of that when he was with Philadelphia, never got over 70. Uh, so I, I have questions about the durability there. I think 81 games was an aberration. It's why he put up 54 points, another career high for him. The other thing is with uh, the, the Flyers, he was averaging over two and a half minutes uh, of power play ice time. I just don't see that happening this time around. I think he's going to be on the second unit. So those numbers are going to drop. He's not going to be playing with the likes, you know, that first unit. Kyru, Thomas, and Saad, I think, are probably locks. Tori Krug as well. So you've got one spot. Uh, Bucinavich could be in the mix. Brandon, um, I said Saad, sorry. Bucinavich, Vrana. Yeah, Shen is another player that could be in the mix for, for that. So I think with power play numbers dropping, the potential for missed games, uh, I think we see a dip in Kevin Hayes' uh, production this season. I am not uh, as, as eager as you are about <laughs> his upcoming year. Uh, in terms of the blue line, uh, Tory Krug is probably maybe going to be the leader here, but the, he's heading into camp with a foot injury that's not going to be reevaluated, at least according to the team, until October 1st. Uh, and that raises some question marks. Even if he is ready for opening night, he's probably going to have some rust from having sat out preseason. So it could be Justin Falk, who did lead the way last season. Falk played significantly more games 19 more games than Krug, so was able to put up 50 points for this club. But Krug and Falk are going to be your offensive drivers, primarily Pareko. If Krug is out for any kind of length of time again, Pareko could see some action, 27 points for him last year. Um, but it comes down to Falk or Torrey Krug uh, with, you know, it depends on what the rest of your roster looks like. If you're kind of set at D, you can afford to wait for Krug for maybe a week, two, three, even whether he's playing or not, but just to kind of get going. I think he's worth uh, taking in those in those leagues. But if you're a little more, uh, you know, unsure about your defense, maybe shy away from Krug, because I just don't think he's going to hit his stride during, really during October and it'll be a little bit longer before he's fully ready to go.
0: Yeah, I th- I agree with you there. I think Justin Falk is the guy that is the leader on the blue line again. 50 points last year, more like what we're seeing. We saw from him early in his career. It looks like he's finally settled in as the linchpin on this blue line. But they have credible offensive options, as you suggested, Pareco. Krug when he's healthy. and I'll throw in Kale Rosen even. He had 18 points including 8 goals in 49 games played. Not bad to have 4 guys who are offensively capable and they've got 2 very solid defensive defensemen in Letty and Scandella rounding out a A a nice-looking defensive six-pack, in my opinion. The guy who should benefit from that if he can get his head straightened out is Jordan Binnington. 61 games played, tells me he's capable of another workhorse-type season if he he gets his head on straight again. 27-27-6 and was the record two shutouts. The goals against was higher than he's ever had in his career at 331 and the save percentage, lower than he's had in his career, 894. So I'm expecting a bounce-back season from him this year in terms of those overall numbers, whether it's good enough to help this team compete in this division, I'll let you think about that for a couple of minutes before we do our predictions. Joel Hofer is the new name that is the backup here, should be relegated to 2025 appearances. Last year in a limited role in the NHL, He appeared in six games. Goals against was 322, save percentage 905. He did better than that in the minors, and they're hoping that those are numbers that more are representative of what he's capable of when he gets a larger sample size this season.
1: I actually think they should consider giving Hofer more of a look. I would bring Bennington's numbers down back around 50. That's how many games he played when he had his best season. Uh, You mentioned those Joe Hofer's numbers in in the minors, 27 wins, 15 losses, 5 uh, draws there, 9-2-1 save percentage, 2.5 goals against average, 47 games played for the Thunderbirds. So I would give him an extended uh, look and maybe try and cut into Bennington's workload only because I think it will help Bennington to be better. I, I think this team will struggle mightily if they have Bennington playing uh, upwards of 60 games next year. Over in Winnipeg, uh, we've had uh, some big changes there as well. Um, it'll be, uh, you know, uh, Mark Scheifele and Kyle Connor still on that top line. They added Gabe Velarde from the Kings. We've got him penciled in 23 goals in 63 games. Uh, if he produces at that level, obviously an 80-some 80, 80 game season would be pushing for, for the 30-goal mark there easily. Um, Nikolai is another player limited to just 45 games last season. They're going to need him to be healthy. Cole Perfetti, 51 games played. Uh, so a couple question marks on that second line, Nino Niederreiter, 24 goals, 78 games. I think he'll do pretty well, uh, on that second line for them. He'll be, I think the offensive driver for them. Another LA Kings addition, Alex Iofalo comes over. He'll be on the left wing of the third line with Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton. Again, another player uh, beset by injuries that saw his numbers kind of drop off. They do still have Nemesnikov, who could factor in to that top nine as well there. So uh, another team needs some guys to play some more games. Uh, A couple new additions uh, in terms
0: of Vellardi and Iofalo from the Kings. AJ, I like the look of this forward group. That's no surprise. They've been the strength of this team for years with Connor and Ehlers being the top, two of the top snipers when healthy. Ehlers is a guy who was limited only 45 games last year and he produced 38 points. You extrapolate that over 82, that's closing in on about 70 point season. Not bad when you got two guys on the left side who are almost a point per game player when you consider Kyle Connor had 80 and 82 games played last year. Villardi's a nice addition on that top line as well, but uh, I'm concerned about Mark Shifley. I hope that, His head is on straight because there were some bites this summer that told me he was unsure about whether he wanted to even stay in Winnipeg. Well, he's there right now, and uh, he's, he's one of the leaders on this club, and he has to realize that he has to do his job as the number one center. And I wonder if he can get the 68 points in 81 games if he isn't as focused as I think he needs to be. The guy who I think will pick up the slack and who I'm calling for in a bit of a breakout campaign is the number two center here in Cole Perfetti. 30 points in season and 51 games played. I'm looking for him to break out and play a larger portion of the games and stay healthy. Got quality wingers. I mentioned Ehlers on the one side. You touched on Niederreiter. That's a pretty good landing spot for him. And he was a very high scorer in junior a few years ago. And it's time for him to show that at the NHL level. I like the addition of Alex I follow on the third line here. Yet another guy who missed a chunk of games and should threaten the 20-point, 20 20-goal 20 mark. Adam Lowry is a very solid third-line center, a guy who has some offensive ability but really is a nasty bit of business on the defensive side of the puck. And Mason Appleton, another big rangy guy who has to do better than 16 points in 41 games played. All in all, a pretty nice-looking nine-pack. And in in the fourth line, in the depth of this roster, they've got a guy who split time with Tampa and Winnipeg last year, and Vlad Vlad Namestnikov, 25 points in 77 games. If anybody gets hurt, he'll be the go-to guy to take up a roster spot there in the top nine.
1: Paul, oh, you going to take us through the defense then? Yes, I will.
0: I, I had to collect my thoughts here for a second, AJ. I'm going to look at the one of the, one of the top scoring blue liners here in uh, the league. I expect him to replicate those numbers is Josh Morrissey, 76 points in 78 games played. Hard pressed to duplicate those numbers because uh, not many guys do point a game pace in, in this business from the blue line, and uh, that'll be a tough task to repeat. Neil Pionk is probably the second best guy in the depth chart offensively here he'll be on the second pairing comes that in with 33 points in 82 games played and probably the number two option as the point man on the power play situation it drops off considerably from then uh dylan de will pair with morrissey on the top group with thir- 27 points in 75 games last year that's probably a ceiling for him he's not noted as a top scoring guy but a real good defensive compliment to morrissey and ditto for pionk he's got brendan dillon with 23 points in 82 games, but really one of the top shot blockers in hockey and a and a rugged guy too. So that's what I like to see, AJ, in terms of setting up your defense. I don't really – I'm not a big fan of, of setting up your top two offensive guys on one pairing. I'd rather see them split up and be complemented by guys who are a defensive consciences that they can lean on. And it extends to a third pairing here with Nate Schmidt, being a solid two-way defender and allowing Dylan Sandberg to continue to grow his game. And we'll see what we get out of him. But Nate, not a bad option to have a guy like Nate Schmidt in the depth of your roster. And in reserve, they have the hulking presence of Logan Stanley, who, if he could get his uh, game together, would be another imposing part of this, this compliment. I'll be curious to see how much time he gets uh, this season in Winnipeg.
1: For the goalies, I would be absolutely shocked if Connor Hellybuck played any less than the 64 games he played last season. Uh, This is a guy who will always be at the top of the the games played list. You look over the last several years, he's hit the 60 mark in four of the last six seasons. And let's not forget, there was a COVID year in there as well that likely uh, limited the amount of games he could play. 37 wins last year, 2.49, the goals against average. Just another phenomenal season for him. The biggest question mark is, does he finish the season playing for the Winnipeg Jets? He'll be a uh, UFA after this year. If things go south early in the season, I would expect you'll have teams calling. Uh, The Jets could bolster what they would get for him by potentially keeping uh, back, you know, half that salary. So who wouldn't take Connor Helyabuck at 3 million against your cap? I mean, that would be a, a, an absolute steal. Uh, obviously, you'd have to, you know, be able to give up something for that. But uh, I think he's a strong candidate to potentially be an in-season goalie trade, which is not uh, very common. And who knows, maybe Mark Scheifele will follow him On the way out the door as well, another player, you know, again, if they retain up to half of it, you're looking at just over three million to add Mark Shifley to your roster for the rest of the season. So uh, that's the question mark for these guys. How long does Winnipeg, uh, you know, go before potentially if things are going south, uh, moving one or both of those guys?
0: Well, and that's a great lead into the way we see things playing out in this division. I, I think there's going to be more discrepancies here than any other division that we cover because I see things a little bit differently than you in this loop, and I'll take us into those rankings on my side at least and try and defend my position before you get the chance to rebut. Uh, I see a changing in the guard at the top of the group. I, I don't see a weakness in the Dallas depth chart a j and uh, that continuity that they're building on here is the main reason why I think they're going to eke out a division title over the Colorado Club that has as many changes as we highlighted. You know there's a lot of quality in those changes too, but I just think that dallas the the sound nature of the makeup of this team, the defensive conscience, top goalie, they are at least the equal of Colorado, and I'm going to give them a slight edge in that race and then in a second tier, I've got three teams grouped here, St. Louis. Winnipeg and Minnesota in that order, rounding out the third, fourth, and fifth positions here. I just like the, the physical nature of the St. Louis complement up front, the depth on the blue line, and I, I'm looking for a bounce back from Bennington to anchor this team as well. You mentioned the de- the quality in Winnipeg and the questions in Winnipeg. I think it's the questions that are gonna drag this team down to fourth place in this division, and uh, they'll be uh, nip and tuck with Winni- Minnesota in, in the middle of the standings here. I think the, the Wild take a bit of a step backward. Just I don't like the depth of Minnesota's situation as much as some of the other teams. And I'm I'm a little concerned about the aging uh, of Marc-Andre Fleury and how much pressure that's going to put on Gustafsson this year. Is it time we finally see a bit of a step back in, in uh, your favorite goalies game? I'm thinking a little bit. In that regard and i wonder if stops up for the challenge <laughs> then uh the third tier uh i might surprise people but not you i don't think that chicago won't be the last place team in this division i think Bedard is going to be a phenom in this league and i think they've added some nice pieces around him and i've got a little more faith in the makeup of this team than nashville i call the nashville predators as a team that's got a lot of things a lot of work to do in terms of straightening out their salary cap their depth chart. I don't like the forward mix that much, and uh, so I think they're going to be last in the division. A team that might surprise is Arizona, as high as sixth place in the division. They've got a number of good young players that are ready, have taken the next step, and I wonder if they can stay there or maybe improve on that. But at least they're going in the right direction now, and I see some up, an uptick for their efforts. So to recap, recap: Dallas one, Colorado two, St. Louis three, Winnipeg four. Minnesota, five, Arizona, six, Chicago, seven, and Nashville, eighth. How do you see it, pal?
1: Not a, a ton of agreement here, as, as you mentioned, Paul. Um, I think Colorado continues to be on top. As long as they've got Nathan McKinnon, they will be uh, right up there. So I, I have them finishing number one. I know I mentioned it's been a big overhaul, um, but they've got McCarr, McKinnon, Rantanen and uh, Georgiev, the kind of main pieces that they need to continue to lead this division. I'm higher on Minnesota than you are. Uh, I have them coming in at second. I think they get some guys uh, a little bit healthier. Uh, you know, Kaprasov plays a, plays a full season. I'm As I said, I'm very high on this defense, especially Brock Faber. I think the goaltending situation will be a relative split, and I think both guys uh, can thrive in in that situation. So I have them coming in, at number two ahead of Dallas, um, for me, you know, the Dallas, uh, you know, has a, a few spots here that I, I'm not totally certain on, but uh, this is where I'm probably most likely to be wrong. I'll, I'll admit that right away. Dallas could easily be number two, and I think you could be right, Paul. They have all the pieces to to be number one as well, but I have them number three right now behind Colorado and Minnesota. Another difference, uh, Chicago. I have them coming in at number four here. I know there's some questions about the net minding, but this is a young team that I expect to make some significant strides. Obviously, you get the boost with Bedard. You bring in Hall and and Johnson. Uh, We mentioned I like that second line way more than you do, so I have them finishing fourth. Um, Nashville, I think there's a lot of questions about this forward group, um, but they've got UC Saro still as a backstop. So I have them all the way up at five, ahead of Arizona at six. Uh, I think the, the difference between these two teams, uh, you know, is, is going to be the net mining. I think Winnipeg, uh, some early season struggles, and I, I think they're going to trade Helly Buck. I really do. Uh, I think this is a team that's in transition right now. You look at their draft complement. There's not a ton in there. I mean, they've got one pick in each round for you know the next three seasons, uh, for the most part, and so they could use some draft capital. It'll help them rebuild. I, I think they trade Hallibuck and finish towards the bottom. And then I did not forget St. Louis. I have them finishing last uh, on the on the the year. The questions about Krug's health, uh, Ken Jordan, Bennington. You know, bounce back this year. I'm not high on Kevin Hayes. You know, Casper Cappettin to me is not a top six winger. Um, so there's a lot of things here that I'm not particularly fond of in the makeup of build in this
0: team throughout the roster. And so I put uh, the St. Louis Blues at the bottom. So this will be an interesting one to come back to at the end of the season, AJ, because of the differences that we have. And the only team that we agreed on is Arizona in the sixth spot. That's kind of interesting to me because uh, for years and years, that team was the doormat of this division. We both don't think they are going to be again this season, but uh, time will tell. Uh, to see who is, has the most right. It'll be interesting, uh, a thing that we'll track during the course of the year. Any final thoughts, AJ? We're going to take a look at your Metro division next week. And I know you're chomping at the bit to talk for an hour on the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're going to have to cut <laughs> that down. But uh, I'm looking forward to taking on that group next. And that'll, be, that'll bring us one week before the NHL season. So the games are get exhibition games are starting. I don't know if you've seen any action so far. I've watched a few games and uh, I really am excited about yet another hockey season in the offing here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm always uh, intrigued to see what the kind of line combinations look like. Uh, Honestly, who gets out of uh, preseason games without losing anybody for the year? That's always a big question mark. Um, And so, yeah, we'll, we'll track that along and, and uh, see who could benefit from added ice time, who makes teams uh, that might not otherwise. For example, just saw today uh, Mark Pisek, uh was uh, on a PTO with the Penguins, but now hit uh, with a long-term injury. So I'm guessing he probably won't make the roster. Um, so there'll be more of that, unfortunately, that we'll see, and, and what guys could benefit from uh, additional roles, what PTO guys even make
0: teams is always uh, uh, something to, to track as well. And we will have a pretty good summary of those situations in the coming weeks. Not yet another reason to come back and listen to the podcast with Statsman and AJ. We thank you for joining us today. Please note our next episode will come your way. Our third divisional preview of the Metro division coming up next week as always in the interim we remind you that we're here to assist you with all things related to your enjoyment of fantasy hockey so we encourage you to send your comments or questions on twitter where you can follow me paul bruno at statsman22 you can follow aj at ajscholes24 so long everybody